What is up, everyone? And welcome to Subjectively Speaking. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And this is episode 40, game 53, <laughs> the Columbus Blue Jackets versus the Nashville Predators. Um, and we're back. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> and we're back. I, I know this is going to come off as surprising to everyone, um, but unfortunately, Laura and my sole source of income has not flipped over to the revenue from the podcast. And so <laughs> I personally have been trying to, to garner gainful employment over the course of the last couple of weeks, which has led to me either interviewing or sleeping. So hopefully I'm done with that process unless something goes terribly wrong. <laughs> And let's but, also mention that he was also finishing up grad school, graduating, you know, dealing with all of that excellence. I know. I should have started the podcast. I should have started the podcast by saying, what's up, everyone? My name is Jeremy Paul, M-E-D. I should have done that, but I'm really not that pretentious. I can't, I can't get behind it. Yes, I can. Yes, I can get behind it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your master's level asmr thank you oh so much you're so welcome i um so tonight i went to uh, the emil bemstrom show with steven shrek our good friend of the podcast hi steven um i told steven i said keep your phone ready by you so that way laura and i can harass you to come on to this episode and then we didn't start recording until 11 34 and i respected sleep too much to be like hey um so it's okay steven there's another predators game on wednesday we'll see you then bud and um, you'll win that one too <laughs> i would think right that was fun i mean it was a fun game because like well let me tell you the first two periods not fun i mean like the first period was kind of entertaining the second period started to get chippy and so that made it a little fun but i mean like on the score sheet not fun and then i don't know what possessed emil bemstrom to just be like i will score every goal that i want to tonight <laughs> um the other thing that I want to say, which is just stupid, is like, I don't know who is in charge of like the goal lamp tonight. And I don't know who is in charge of the can. Well, I guess not the can because one of them was a Predators goal, but like whoever was in charge of like signaling goals, not great work, not great work <laughs> there because the Predators, I want to say it was their second goal. It was the goal that Ryan Johansson scored. Also, mm -hmm. was not originally called a goal, and then all of a sudden, Texier, who got a penalty for delay of game, comes out of the penalty box, and we're all like, "I guess that's the goal that they know about that we are still <laughs> unfamiliar with." Um, and so, yeah, just a weird game in that regard. But yeah, Emil Bemstrom, how you doing, bud? He just said, "I'm gonna come out here, score them all," with not only his first, second, and third goal of the season, but his first ever career not even just NHL, career hat trick. Um, and it was funny because on I was watching from home and the broadcast, Jody and Jeff were talking and they were like, literally like two seconds before um, Bemstrom scored his first goal, Jody was like, you know, he just needs one to like, just get him going. Just, you know, see what happens. He gets that super messy weird first goal and it was honestly like 
someone flipped a switch and he was like, oh, I can play hockey. That's right. I like keep forgetting that he was hurt and he wasn't just like scratched because I don't know. Yeah, no, he's had a a lingering injury. Yeah, I don't know if you met our head coach. His name is John Tortorella and he does this thing where he just scratches players. So like I keep forgetting, right, if somebody's actually hurt or if if they're actually. Oh, are we talking about Kevin Stenland now? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) I just like, I, I told Steven my theory that I won't mention on the podcast today in the middle of the nationwide arena and he laughed aloud. I guess. Yeah, that's not, it's not an appropriate theory for anyone other than between the two of us and our close friends. I almost just said it out loud. I really did. Um, so I don't think this is going to shut down the podcast. Why is a W Flash player telling me that I need to do things now? Like right now? Good timing. I love that. Anyway, go away. Um, yeah, so Emil Bemstrom's hat trick is only the fourth time in Blue Jackets history that a player has scored three goals in one period. Because again, let's let's keep that in mind. It was a natural hat trick in which it all happened in the third period. The last person, Columbus favorite Jeff Carter. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Scored three goals in the first period of a five to six loss. Um, the other two, Jeff Sanderson did it in 2003 and Darren Quinton did it in 2001. So not exactly a commonality or a regular occurrence for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, so very fascinating game tonight. Just very fascinating to see that happen because realistically, like outside of that, like Nashville just had so many more high quality chances throughout the entirety of the game. Elvis played really well. Um, you know, <clears throat> another frustrating thing tonight is, is that I saw and, and I, I am an apologist for anybody who we acquired in the trade for with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I just am. <laughs> I have been the entire time. Patrick Line or Jack Roth, but like because I, I'm rooting for them so hard. But tonight, Jack just had so many horrid turnovers that led to odd man rushes. And Elvis like would not let anybody score on him on an odd man rush tonight. Um, and so Elvis played really well, I think. Um how, well, did, you, how did you feel? Yeah. I mean, let's take a moment to just, like, let's talk about Elvis for a second. Um, I love this man wholeheartedly. And the things that he has been doing the last few games to just keep us, keep us even alive in this situation has just been incredible and there are a lot of moments we have a lot of moments over the past couple years where you know we talk about how it's just not fair to our goalies because we just can't play well enough in front of them and for how they're performing but that has never like it's been so true you know over the past little bit with Elvis um, it's since it's been a while since we recorded Corby's injured. Um, he will not play for the rest of the season. Um, and Elvis, it, it appears that Elvis is going to finish out. Um, I don't think Kiv Lennox is going to come in um, to replace him unless something weird happens. But, you know, Elvis 
has really taken not only like a performance wise like step up but also like a leadership and energy step up and in the time since we were last recorded um I think everyone hopefully if you haven't you need to watch um Elvis's post-game interview from a few I don't even remember if it was last week or two weeks ago um after a really 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 tough loss and his just passionate plea to under like for people to understand that they are trying and that it is frustrating and it is painful for them to be in this situation. Um, and just the love and admiration that he not only has for his teammates, but also for this organization, this franchise as a whole, the fifth line. I mean, Elvis, I mean, short of Cam probably, um, and Nick, when he was here, Elvis speaks the most towards how much the fans impact his his gameplay and why he likes being a part of this team. And that's just been really nice to see, even in this like downward spiral towards the end of this ridiculous season. Um, and I know we should never make predictions, and I'm not going to say it's set in stone but I know that we're going to be making a goalie decision over the course of the summer. And as much as I love Jonas Corpusalo, I think I'm going to place my bet on Elvis, but I've had my heart broken before by men and by hockey. I'm screaming. And, and, and guess what? You're putting your faith in the hands of men who are associated with hockey, so this could be bad. I know. Um, yeah, I think I think it's just clear, right? Like, I mean, like, it just feels clear. Um, and if you haven't read it already, um, you should definitely read Aaron Portsline's article that came out today. We're recording this on Monday, um, the third of May, where he talks to three former Columbus Blue Jackets, of which I have opinions on who they are, and I don't know if I'm. A matter enough to have these opinions um i think i know who one of them is which is shocking i think i know one of them is scott hartnell we talked about that i think one of them is matt calvert okay because it's someone who played with artemi panarin okay yeah which calvert obviously did yeah Right, and who left on good terms. There hasn't been many since our time Panarin left, or since his time that left on good terms. And just based on like, and he also like talked about Cam and Matt Calvert and Cam were like good friends. Yeah. So I just, I have a sense that one of them is Matt Calvert. I think one of them might also be, um, Sam Gagne, maybe? I have no idea who that is. Sam was the year before you came. Um, he played a lot with, like, Scott Hartnell. Um, he actually played – he scored a lot with the Blue Jackets that year because he was, like, really good on the power play, and that was, like, for some reason we were, like, actually good. So, 
a really fascinating thing for us to, you know, be good on the power play. But yes, Aaron Portsline's article, he talks about how um, the, the Jackets just don't, or he talks about how the players say that the Jackets just don't do enough to market anything. Like, mar- like, and he was like, and some of the players were like, this is an NHL problem. It's not just a Columbus thing, but it's definitely like exacerbated in Columbus. And so, yeah, I'm everything that you say about Elvis being a brand and, and being a, a, you know, marketing, you know, like the potential. Is Godsend, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about that. And it's like, yeah, it has to be him. Um, so, Laura, there hasn't been a lot going on in Blue Jackets land in the last couple of weeks. No, just, I mean, losing games. We did stop um, before we entered a 10-game losing streak. So, like, that was a positive. Yeah, but, of course, now we're just, like, not just fucking losing games in regulation. We're like, you know what sounds good? Let's just get a point in overtime for shits and gigs because we really don't need to draft anybody super great because we're a super good team. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, because we're tonight was our fourth straight overtime um, situation. So, yeah, we just seem to, but at least, though, you know, the thing though tonight, I am super happy about Emil Bemstrom. Yeah. But I was more so happy about the fact that we played a game where we got more than one goal. I looked at Steven, <laughs> good point. I looked at Steven when I was 3 2, and I said to him, I said, if we fuck around, and tie this game and go into overtime just to lose to you all and just to get a point. I'm going to be so pissed off. And then, of course, it's Emil Bemstrom that scores the third goal. And I said, you know what? I'll take the point because, like, we don't need to lose every game in regulation from here on out. And if it means that Emil Bemstrom gets a hat trick, which hopefully is, like, I mean, I, they always talk about how, like, once a goal scorer, you know, gets a taste like a shark, you know what I mean? Like senses water or blood in the water. It's like, okay, like, is it time now for him to take off? And I'm sorry. I don't mean to be laughing. It's just like, when you forgot to say blood in the water, I immediately thought about how ridiculous sharks would be if their senses got activated every time they sensed water. It'd be rough. (laughs) That'd be a really anxious fucking shark. (laughs) That would not be good. They'd just be freaking out the whole time. Speaking of sharks that are freaking out, I wonder how our buddy Curtis Carroll doing. Um, he eats a lot of potatoes. He does do that. If you follow uh, him on social media. Correct. I the other thing with the Blue Jackets. So I mean, like hockey. Yeah. Okay. Great. Like we're playing hockey. Um, we're losing games, and that's fine. We got three games left. It's fine. Also, I do want to circle back. I bet you that at least whether it's Kivlinix or it could be Tarasov. Like I could see somebody getting a start like in one of these back-to-back Detroit games just for shits and gigs. As long as it's not Saturday, I would like to close out this situation at the arena with Elvis. I don't disagree, but like to me, it's like, you know, why risk playing Elvis back-to-back and then him get hurt? And then you've got two broken goalies that you're one of which you're trying to trade, but like they're both broken. So like, what are you going to do? I don't know. True, but um, but um Laura, there was some dram. There's some drama. 
from the Russians. From the damn Russians. Yes, you're reading my mind. What the Who knew? Russians? Who knew the Russians could be dramatic? Nobody, right? Like, um, yeah, the same group of people that are the reason why, not the same group of people, I shouldn't overgeneralize, but- A similar group of people. A similar group of people that led to Artemi Panarin having to like flee to ensure that his family was still safe are the same people who are shaming Columbus Blue Jackets first round draft pick Igor Chinnikov for deciding to take his talents to none other than the 614, which I think I'm excited about. I feel excited. I was watching some of his um, highlights after we announced his official signing, um, which we we did. We officially signed him to a three-year entry-level contract with the Blue Jackets to start this fall in the 2021-2022 season. Well, it's a little weird because based on his age, it actually eats up a year this year. Like, even if he doesn't play a single day or a single game, he will start next year in his second year of his entry-level contract, which is, I, I don't understand. Collective because he's, he's already 20. Yeah, it's just like, why? Why is that like what they wrote into their agreement, but it's neither here nor there? Um, so yeah, so we did officially sign him. You are so right. Um, and yeah, he's, he's pretty good stuff. He had a really, really good season in the KHL. Um, a lot of highlight worthy moments, a lot of goal scoring. Um, he's also like kind of a big dude, which is nice. Um, but no, the Russians are pissed. They're pissed. Can I just say, do you know what it reminds me? Hopefully, he lives long enough to come to America. Do you know what it reminds me of? Mm. It reminds me of how Blue Jackets fans and perhaps the Blue Jackets franchise felt about Pierre Luc Dubois. Um, Because if you read the article, which could not, it could be somewhat inaccurate. And not the article, the statement that. Was well, he being, a, he's not being a dick about leaving. No, but they're pissed at his agent. And so what happened is, um, you know, apparently in this press release, they talk about how, and again, this could be wrong because it's like a shitty translation from like Google Translate. Um, but essentially that, they were prepared to put all this time and effort into developing him and his contract offer was going to include just so much development that was going to make him ready for the NHL and that they don't believe he's ready for the NHL. Like their coaches don't believe he's ready for the NHL, all this kind of stuff. Um, And that they put in a lot of effort to develop him this year. Sound familiar. Um, And so uh, apparently he had begun the process of trying to get a work visa a few days before the final game, like the game six of the Gagarin cup or however you pronounce it, the KHL, you know, championship. And so he ends up, you know, the team asks him about it and like, he like denies that he's at the embassy, like doing this stuff or his, he denies through his agent. I should say his agent denies that that's the case and continues to like just play this cat and mouse game with the team and essentially like just like notifies them like hey um he's going to Columbus bye like and so that's where they're pissed they're pissed at his agent which let me tell you sorry for the yawn everyone um let me tell you 
the Blue Jackets don't have a good track record with dealing with agents. So I don't love hearing that his agent's a drama queen. I'm like worried about what that means for us in two years, but. Yeah, we really don't. don't have great track records with agents, uh, at least not in the last couple of years. Uh, but I'm excited. The buzz seems to be other people are excited um, to have him, you know, obviously we'll see how camp goes and everything because we'll actually get to have a real training camp. I hope someone has told him about the two minute mile or not the two minute mile, the two mile run, two minute mile, Jesus Christ. Um, (laughs) The two mile run, but that may not be a thing anymore. I was going to say, you're putting a lot of, a lot of, you know, finalities into this situation. I just realized that it was a torch thing and not like an everybody has to do it thing. But, you know, so we'll see how he does in training camp and who his coach is at this point. Yeah. But excited. And, yeah. you know, I like thinking about things after this season. Because this season sucks. Who doesn't? Who is not looking forward to that? Um, Well, another player. So the Blue Jackets also, because why not? Like, why is this not the time to do it? Um, Have signed Justin Danforth to a one-year contract. Um, It's giving me very much Mikhail Gregorinko, like, in terms of, like, you know, like, let's just see, like, this guy's ability to to play in the NHL. Like, let's just see what happens. Um, you know, he he never has played an NHL game. He's only ever played um, in the AHL. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, he has played in Europe in one way or another since 2018, um, he played in Liga in Finland with Luko. I don't know if it, my, our Finnish listeners let me know if I said that right. Um, in which he, in his first season there, recorded 52 points in 59 games. His second season there recorded 60 points in 56 games. And then I will not be saying this right. Um, in the KHL, um, played for Vityaz Podolsk. Sure. Um, and he scored 55 points in 58 games. So he's roughly in Europe, a point per game player. And so, um, you know, not always do those guys translate over, um, you know, 100%, but, you know, it's hard not to be a little bit excited about seeing those numbers and wondering what that can mean. Um, my God, this offseason is going to be like the, the amount of clogging that's going to happen in the, in the four. Like, I mean, like it's happening again. Like it's the same thing that we talked about before. And then like, look at what happened this year. It's like, yeah, we have the forward death, but like, look what happens. This is not, this is not. Yeah. Real. It's, it is some interesting decisions to be made right now when we're on the precipice of a very interesting off season with a lot of decisions to be made, um, a lot of big decisions to be made. And again, you know, it's not ideal to put ourselves, like you just said, it's not ideal to put ourselves back into this situation where we have, we have this forward depth, but we don't have the positions needed within forwards. Like we badly need a number one center 
Um, and, you know, I just don't like being in this circumstance where we have all of these, especially with like issues with, you know, the cap space and all this sort of stuff. Like, I don't like having a bunch of players that don't make any sense, but we keep them to keep them. And so, I mean, obviously, I'm not Yarmo. No one wants my opinion truly about this stuff. But I just hope that everything is being done to avoid certain situations that we've encountered this season. Because as we've said before, I don't want to do an 82-game season like this. Like, 56 has been emotionally draining as is, um, you know, even if it's not even like the greatest season coming up, I want it to be less dramatic. And I want us to, I don't know, be in the NHL headlines because Emil Bemstrom got another hat trick, not this player hates Columbus. You know, we traded away this, level of talent to save our asses like that I just I just want to play hockey and to love my boys playing hockey and to talk about it with you it's so much easier it's so much easier to talk about when it's not sad (laughs) or drama although we the fodder that we get out of this podcast this year is so good Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it hasn't made for interesting opportunities for us, but, you know, I, it would be nice to just have, you know, hockey be the focus and not why ever, you know, and even circling back around to the um, Portsline article about, you know, from these three former players, like, you know, they none of like you and I talked about earlier today, none of what they said was like a surprise. You know, they said a lot of like, you have to actually live in Columbus to learn why it's great. You're not going to discover that it's like the great place that it is just by coming here on like road games or, you know, being here intermittently. Like you have to actually live in Columbus to experience the greatness and all the things that it it has available to it which is that's fine I mean again we're not we are a smaller market we are not New York you know we're not Miami or Los Angeles like all that sort of stuff totally get it so I agree with them on that part but it's also you know I think if a quarter of what these three players said is accurate then we have a, a really big issue of not treating our talent properly like from the inside um and I think that's a bummer for a town that really wants the hockey team to to succeed and for a fan base that really wants the hockey team to succeed and who appreciates the players um I I wanted to laugh because one of the guys talked about how they could go out to dinner anywhere in Columbus and no one would like come up to them or whatever. And it just brought me back to every single time I've ever been within like feet of a Blue Jackets player. 
And I want to believe that this is the Midwesterner in all of us, fifth liners. Yeah, we're just like so intimidated by the idea of like being around people that we enjoy and love in a, in a famous aspect that we just don't have the courage to come up to a player when we see them out in the wild. I mean, you were with me the you were with me the one time that we were just near Cam Atkinson's wife at Easton. Like, and I could not, I was like, I can't, I can't be in this situation. Um, I need everyone to know that I told Laura about it after it happened because I knew that that would be her reaction because Laura is an Atkinson family stand, like between like Natalie, like Declan, Camden, Caden, 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 um, and obviously Cam. Um, oh yeah, if he would have named his kid, if he would have named his kid Camden, I would have had an issue. Um, yeah, that's yeah, it's Caden. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, we walked by, and then like five minutes later, I was like, we just walked by. Um, she was like what I said told you told you too late on purpose um so uh, yeah I mean I I don't know I agree it's just like I would very much love for for that to be true like for us to like start treating our assets better and like treating like those RFAs better um because I do I think that there's something to be said and like again every chance we get to like tie it back to the work that you and I do. I think it's fun to do um, because you and I do a unique set of jobs, but it's a matter of like recognizing that like, I know it's the NHL and like, I know that, that there, these kids are going to make a lot of money and I know that this is their job, but very much this generation is a generation that like needs validation and like needs appreciation and I know this sounds dumb, but like when you do something to squash that, like you're going to lose all loyalty and trust from that individual. Like you're just going to, uh, and it's not reparable. And the idea of continuing to do this whole, like, well, we have his rights for two years, like essentially like fuck you mentality, like ain't exactly the thing that's going to continue to keep young talent here. Like maybe maybe for some guys like maybe for like some of the europeans like maybe have a similar like mindset and attitude like maybe sure but it's just not going to be the case like they're just not going to be able to keep people and that's just the fact and that's like what you said you referenced it in like the article like yes like that's what what happens and that's what's happening well and it was you know the other disheartening part of it was you know i think all three of them whoever they were, um, voiced that they wanted to stay, but they wanted to be, you know, respected in this situation. And even one of them said, like, I would have stayed here for under market value because I wanted to be here and I enjoyed being on the team. But it was the way it was handled in, you know, the end of the season exit interview and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it's like, I don't like that. Like, I don't like the feel of that. Like, and I understand, like, this is a business and Yarmo's sole responsibility is to find talent, but also to save every penny possible um, as far as like the budget is considered and cash space and all that sort of stuff. But 
burning out assets like that is not going to build a strong franchise. And I think that that's why we are in the predicament that we're in, which is we have such random levels of talent. We have people who, we do have, you know, some players who do really want to be here. Um, We have some players who are indifferent. And as we've seen over the past couple of years, we've had people who truly just don't want to be here. And then it gets blamed inadvertently on stupid things like the city or whatever. Um, And in turn, it might actually be how we're doing our business in the front office. Um, So that's a little disconcerting. I still, I mean, obviously again, I'm not Yarmo. No one really wants my opinion on this. He is good at what he does, but I think some things, much like with coaching, some things might need to be adjusted or changed in order to start reloading, I'll use their terminology, um, this franchise for the better. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and maybe maybe we'll be able to cover that. I would love that. But. We're, pro- we're going to have a lot of probably special episodes this summer um, after we wrap up the season on Saturday, um, just because there is probably going to be a lot of crazy shit that happens in Blue Jackets land. Um, and hey, we may even, because I think... Um, as long as he's not seriously injured, <laughs> um, I think Jeremy and I are becoming uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fans uh, in the playoffs. Here's hoping. Yeah, he went out with a upper body injury today. Yeah, so that made me nervous. Um, but you know, Nick Foligno, uh, up until now, has been thriving in Toronto. Yeah. Um, we haven't really talked about it because we were going to do we were going to do a trade deadline. <laughs> episode never happened because as we stated in the beginning uh life has been joyously complicated um for jeremy mostly for me a little bit but not really um you know losing our captain to uh the toronto maple leafs has definitely been felt greatly uh by the team and by the fans um and those, uh, particularly during the nine game losing streak, because uh, it was basically like from the moment that Nick was traded, we didn't win a game. So, <laughs> which is, you know, says a lot and hurts a lot of feelings. Um, and then also to just be re emotionally damaged uh, the other night when we did win. And uh, Elvis had to hug himself. <laughs> And then to find out that Nick actually texted Elvis after that game and they were kind of, you know, laughing about it. And then Elvis goes, but it's not funny because I miss Nick and I miss our routine. And now I don't know what to do. Yeah. He's so, it's not funny. (laughs) He's so good. He's so good. Honestly, a, a media person's, like just daydream and I think he's genuine too like that's the other thing that I think is like really important too like I think he's a genuinely good person oh yeah he's I definitely think he's a good person he's also you know he's just 
he loves the sport. He's not overly like, you know, people say a lot of the times that they think that, you know, supposedly the blue jackets are afraid of Elvis because he wants to, he has star mentality or whatever, but like, I don't think that Elvis is overly like egotistical in any way. No, I just think he burns hot. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I think he feels every emotion really heavily. So I think that that like has a lot. He's an empath and I can relate to him. You You are really empathetic. So can you, you're not as much as me, but like, you know, I feel all the feelings. I'm getting grizzled in my old age. (laughs) Yes. You're super old age. Um, But it was, it was just like, I think Elvis, I mean, He's also very worldly. Like he's a very well educated person. Not that hockey players aren't well educated or could be, but I mean, Elvis speaks four languages fluently. Um, you know, he just and he really enjoys being in Columbus. And as I've always said, that's something that means more to me than a lot of stuff is that they want to be here. Um, but yeah, hearing hearing his response to Nick's text, just like both opened the wound and made me be like I get it it is sad so but at least Nick is still like Nick is still talking to them like part of me part of me really hopes that tonight like after he got done being looked at by his own doctors um in Toronto that he you know texted Bemstrom to congratulate him on the hat trick and you know, stuff like that, because I know that that was someone that Nick worked with while he was here to like get his confidence built up and stuff like that. Nick was always really passionate about working with our younger players and getting them to, you know, feel confident and comfortable in the NHL. So it is nice to know that he's still having those bits of communication, even though he's no longer wearing union blue um and wearing a different shade of blue but so we'll probably to lead back to the original point of why I was talking about Nick we'll probably talk a little bit of after the Blue Jackets season ends a little bit about Nick's progress and Riley Nash because hopefully Riley Nash is uh will be well enough to play with Toronto um in the playoffs um as Toronto has already clinched they're the only team um, in the Northern Division that has clinched a playoff spot. Um, so that'll be exciting. I have to get over my disdain for Austin Matthews, but I'll do that for Nick Foligno. Yeah, you're going to have to. And also, like, just looking at Twitter, it looks like Sheldon Keefe, who's the Maple Leafs head coach, did not give an update on Nick tonight so um one of those things where like they'll get together they'll practice and then they'll kind of go from there and see if he's you know where he's at kind of assess it from there so yeah wow well hopefully for him it's nothing crazy and he can get because he's doing well like he's doing well in Toronto and um has really I do think the NHL is like taunting us though. I told you this the other day because every time they post a picture of the Maple Leafs doing anything, Nick is always in the picture. 
He's a big part of what's happening there. He's going to be a big – he's going to play a big role. My, how how this season has changed in the way that we talk about hockey and, like, what we're looking at? Because, wow, if you would have told me when we started this podcast 40 episodes ago that we were going to, you know, be talking about Nick Foligno as a Toronto Maple Leaf and, like, hoping that he plays well because he's playing on the line with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and all this – oh, my God, I would have called you nuts. So, it is what it is. There is one more exciting thing that has happened in the hockey community over the last few days. Tell us all about it. And that is that the Seattle Kraken made their final um, league payment. They are now officially the 32nd team of the NHL. Um, So they can officially start talking um, to general managers, uh, doing trade conversations, acquiring things um so that's very exciting uh obviously the expansion draft comes along with with that as well where they can select a player from each team with the exception of las vegas um because they are exempt from the expansion draft um but yeah we've talked a little bit about how we are 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 already fans of the kraken um, and how Seattle has decided to take this opportunity and really run with it and be a positive, um, a positive light in a lot of areas um, as a team, both within social justice, within environment, environmental issues, uh, within building that team around the, you know, existing smaller league hockey fan base in Seattle. Um, And yeah, I'm pumped for them. Yeah, I know. Somebody actually like tonight at the game, we walked by and uh, cracking stuff. That was interesting. Normally I'm like- I mean, they do have a lot of merch already. Normally I'm like, where the, like, why are you here? But I'm like, where else would you be? I guess you can't really, you don't have a home yet. So like, I can't yell at you. but yeah, no, very exciting stuff. And Laura, I think we're just going to have a lot of really exciting stuff over the course of the next few weeks and months. I mean, it's going to be a fun off season. I mean, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody, uh, you know, uh, it's actually my, my brother's half brother. I went golfing with them the other day and he was like, I'm excited to listen to you all's podcast over the off season, because I feel like it's going to be just as exciting, if not more. Oh my gosh. Do they listen already? I think so. Yeah. He was telling me that, you know, he listened to a few, I don't know how up to date he is. He said he fell a little bit behind, but I listen, I respect the, I respect the, the time to, to listen. Yeah. That's amazing. Hello person. Thank you for listening. Yeah, shout, listen. out, shout out Logan. Sorry. I didn't say a name. Hi Logan. I'm sure if my blood brother actually listens, but Logan, what's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if, if my blood brother does, What's up, Brandon? Um, so, Hi, Brandon. <laughs> so, yeah, so a lot of fun things. Laura, can you think of anything else as we wrap up? I mean, obviously, the Blue Jackets lose this one. Happens. We'll continue to have them, probably. Um, but anything else on your dome as we wrap up? No, not really. I mean, we've got three games left. Play Nashville again on Wednesday. Um, and then the last two games, back-to-back Friday and Saturday against Detroit. Um we will be there for the last game and 
we'll also we're doing something fun on Sunday as sort of a goodbye to the season. Uh, Jeremy and I are going to go paint the ice before they melt oh, it. Yeah. So um, that'll be, we'll probably post pictures on social media because um, I did already tell Jeremy that we're going to paint the podcast name on the ice. So, uh, but so, yeah, I mean, the season's winding down. You're still going to hear from us. It's not like this is the last episode for this season. But, um, so, yeah, I think that's that's everything for right now. Perfect. Well, until next time, everybody just remember that Tom Wilson's a piece of human garbage and that hopefully on Wednesday we'll talk about him getting suspended. But other than that, that's all we've got tonight, y'all. Um, or whatever time you're listening to the podcast. I don't, I don't need to place that on you. I don't need to place the pressure when you listen on you. Um, but obviously we will be with you all soon. Thank you for, for your patience and waiting for new content, but it's coming. It's going to keep coming now. So. And follow us on social media. Yes. Yep. At Sorry. I, I don't, we said at the same time, double subjectively pod, do it or else. I'll find you. Oh, that was creepy. <laughs> I have Tom Wilson's phone number, so I'll bring him with me. Also scary and threatening. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new tagline for the podcast. Thank you for listening to Subjectively, po- oh, subjectively Speaking. Um, threatening and what? What did you say? Threatening and what? Uh, threatening and terrifying. Threatening, something like that. Chat anyways. Have a wonderful rest of your whatever time of the day it is as you're listening to this, and we will talk to you all soon. Bye.